just love the tenderness of his presence right now. And uh, we're going to try to honor that and just be sensitive to that this morning. Um, before I come and minister, I'd like Jane to come and just read some word. Um, she's going to read from John 17, if you've got your Bibles. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 5 and then verses 24. John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. Just as you have given him power and authority over all mankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him to be his permanently and forever. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true, supreme, and sovereign God, and in the same manner know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you down here on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory and majesty that I had with you before the world existed. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me as your gift to me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Amen. Okay. Hmm. I always am deeply moved by that scripture because don't you think it's fascinating? It's one of the prayers of the Lord Jesus, one of the most powerful prayers, chapter 17. And he starts off by saying, Father, glorify me. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Jesus is praying that the Father would glorify him. And I believe it's absolutely critical that we have an understanding of that if we are to truly worship the Lord. So I'm going to try this morning to unpack that a little bit and help us. Um, my uh, responsibility this morning is just trying to open our hearts a little bit to the heart of worship. Um, the heart of worship is absolutely vital if we are to go deeper, if we're going to what God's got for us, if we are to live in the realms and the fullness of what God has for us. So if we can just maybe, it's not something that's profound, it's something that's deep, that we can catch it more than we can um, let it land in the mind, um, I think then we'll have got hold of what God wants to do this morning. But I just thank you for your word, Lord. Just pray that the word which is anointed would settle on our hearts and break yokes this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the heart of worship, I think to start off, I just want to say that the heart is a huge thing. It's a very big thing. 
If you go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, you can turn there in your Bibles if you want to, or you can just um, listen as I just quote it. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow all the issues of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow all the issues of life. It's almost as if the heart is the main indicator of everything else in your life. Your whole life flows from your heart. And if you can watch over your heart, it would be vital to whatever flows and whatever wants to operate in and through your life in whatever single area. So whatever area in your life that you're focusing on that you'd like God to touch or to move on, or to then it actually flows out of your heart. So your heart would be something that we need to guard and to watch over with all diligence. Amen. Um, when I was uh, um, just thinking about this... Um, I was just reminded of, of um, I think it was Bill Johnson, um, who said one of the disciplines that uh, him and his wife used to do with their kids was that they would be alert and aware, watching over their kids' hearts, because bad behavior comes from a bad attitude. If you can catch the attitude in the heart, you can change the heart so that it never results in, a bad, in bad behavior. Sometimes in our hearts and in our lives, uh, there's things that happen that are outworked in our lives that if we can catch our hearts, we can guard our hearts, catch them here, then they don't um, bring forth fruit, right? So I wonder if you can turn with me to Matthew 15. I'm going to launch off from Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15, I'm just going to read um, verses 8 and 9. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That is a very sobering and profound two verses in the Bible where it says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, so they worship me in vain. How many know what in vain means? In vain means for nothing. Zero effect, zero so what's an interesting scripture that Jesus is saying is that they honor me with their lips. So in honoring God with our lips, there must be some singing. There must be some preaching. There must be some praying. There must be some external expression that is taking place. But that external expression is in vain or counts for nothing if their heart is far from him. So I almost want to say here today, just to encourage us, that worship is a matter of the heart. It's by its very least a matter of the heart. I believe it's a lot more, but by its very least, it's a matter of the heart. If 
what we are doing externally is not happening inside of our heart. If there's not a heart interaction, then it is for nothing. It is for naught. That's not Grant speaking, that's the Bible speaking. See, what is the heart supposed to be doing while we are expressing songs and singing from our mouths? It's absolutely vital if we are to worship the Lord, if we are to come into His presence, if we are to go where He wants us to go, and that's to be right face to face as our occupation, just encountering Him. So our hearts are absolutely vital in the flow of worship. God is looking for worshipers, worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Did you notice that when he said, God's, he said, I'm looking for worshipers that I'll worship in spirit. He did not compare spirit to flesh or body. You don't, don't worship me in the body, worship me in spirit. No, he said in spirit and in truth. There's something that God wants us to understand that we are spirit worshipers. We worship from our spirit. How many know from your heart? You're worshiping God from your heart. So... There is a position that you can have where you can be worshiping, worshiping Him, going through the motions, but your heart can be far from Him, and that He doesn't call worship. But there's another position that we have here 24-7, and that's where the position of the heart, which is for Him, is about Him. It's all focused on Him that the expression that's coming out of our lips is coming from our hearts, and that God delights in, and that He draws, and that is something that He absolutely adores and loves. So I want to try and help us there with a little bit of, of that understanding this morning, if I can. I should probably say the end first and then go back. Um, let me say it like this. His worth, God's worth, is infinite. So true worship is a valuing and a treasuring God above everything. His value is infinite, so true worship is valuing and treasuring Him above everything else. That's the position of your heart. Heart worship is a response of the heart to the knowledge of rightly understanding who He is, rightly understanding who He is and rightly valuing God. That's true worship. The English word uh, worship comes from the, the, the words worth and ship. It's His worth, His true worth. That's where worship comes from, right? The heart of worship is a heart delighting in Jesus and expressing praise to Him for the truth of the word and who He is and what He's accomplished for us. It now becomes all about Him and nothing about us, right? But let's just unpack that a little bit. So contrary to popular belief, the secular mindset is not a mindset that denies God. It's not a mindset that denies the Bible. 
It's a mindset that puts man in the center. That's what a secular mindset is. Secular mindset puts man in the center, puts man on the throne, and then from there, everything else flows outward. So man's in the center, and God is now on the peripherals, right? And if man is on the center, then everything flows from there. It's about man, his rights, his needs, his expectations, and everything must fit into that. So everything that we do, if we have that understanding in our hearts, will flow with that. So the problems are when things don't line up with that. So whether I'm listening to the Word, whether I'm worshiping the Lord, if I have, if I have me at the center of all of that, then my filters are, how is this benefiting me? How am I getting my needs met? What is, how is this helping me? See, and if that is the case, then we don't really worship. It's in vain, the Bible says. It doesn't even, he doesn't even hear that. Can I even be so prof- profound as to say this? That even in places in the world where they're not allowed to make noise, because it's, it would be attracting the, the wrong elements, and in those places where they can't actually sing songs, there is more worship going up in there than there is in some of mega churches around the world. Because this is vital, the positioning of our hearts, in order for it to be true worship, right? So you see, the, the, the godly, the biblical mindset is not an acknowledgement of God. It's not acknowledgement the Bible is the truth. It's putting God in the center of our hearts and of our lives. From that place, everything else flows. Amen. You see, we're going to have a long morning. I'm very, we're all quiet. It's how, you, yeah. it's how you get to preach after such a tender moment in worship. I, I can even feel my heart. <laughs> Lord, this is vital, you're right. Can I say this? Oh, let me say this. Let me throw this out quickly. That God does not, He does not disobey the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength. God doesn't disobey that commandment. I almost want to say God loves Himself with all His heart, and all His mind, and all His soul, and all His strength. Because God cannot be an idolater. God's heart is so for you and I that what we might, with the wrong mindset, consider humility, that God would say, go and find your joy in a beautiful sunset. Go find your joy in, in, in the mountains or the beauty of the sea or, or in a person or because of who He is. He has set us up to be worshippers so that we could experience the fullness of true life. There is no greater joy for a human 
than to be fully satisfied forever in the glory of the Lord and in His presence. There is no greater joy for us. Can I say God said to love me with the majority of your heart? To love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. What happens when you love God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength? How much of your heart is left? How much of your mind is left? How much of your soul is left? See, what we do in the Bible is we try and extrapolate from words what we think God is trying to mean. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added unto you. And when you study that in the Greek, seek first the kingdom. So what we must do is seek first God and then we can seek all the other things. But first you seek God and you seek all the other things and that's not what the Bible is saying. That's not what that scripture is saying. It's saying seek first God. End. And the rest will be added. There's a posture of the heart when he is first. Revelations 2 verse 4. You need to return to your first love. Your first love. So it's okay, I've got a whole bunch of other loves in my life, but as long as he's my first love. As if God can be put in a list. Let me, make, let me make you priority, God. You first, then my wife, then my family, then my job, and then friends. No, God says, I am your first love. There isn't a second love and a third love. There is a first love. I am your love. And out of that love flows every issue of life. If I want to be a good husband to my wife, I don't concentrate on being a husband to my wife. I concentrate on loving him. When I love him with everything of my being, I can be the best husband to my wife. See, that's what worship, I'm trying to, it's the heart of worship. The heart of worship is putting him in his rightful place, rightful honor. He becomes my everything. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He becomes my greatest treasure, my greatest desire. I desire and long for Him and only Him. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let me just read this. I find this, I still keep plumbing the depths of the Scripture. I, I, I don't know if I ever get a full understanding. But for me, it's one of the most profound and Amazing scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's just read from verse 4. Listen to this. What do you think would be the thing that Satan is trying his very best for us not to see? He's trying to hide something from us so that we don't see it. Let's just read verse 4. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. 
What Satan is doing is trying to blind us to the glory of Jesus. And Jesus comes and he says, Father, glorify me so that I can glorify the Father. So that when the gospel comes and the gospel flows, remember Jesus put his complete life into the hands of the Father and the Holy Spirit at his death. It's the same with you and I when we get born again. We get born again, we transfer everything into the hands of the Father and into the Holy Spirit when we die. It's a narrow way, church. The Bible says it's a narrow way, a very narrow way that leads to life. And on that narrow way, there is only one door, and His name is Jesus. And you have to narrow and go through that door, which when you go through that door, you have to die. You have to join yourself with Christ, you die, and when you come through that door, you come into this wide open space of the kingdom of God, a place where God wants to lavish and fulfill and wants to give you everything that you need. If God does it before that doorway or before this side, if God begins to lavish you, it can cause your heart to be distracted and your attention to be put on something else which you will then begin to worship. He has to have all of our lives. He has to have all of our worship. When we come before Him, friends, it's not a a desperate pressing in and a cry. The the move that God was doing in Asbury or is doing in Asbury would not come because they sat there and cried out for repentance of their sins and repentance for this and all the, the, the Lord take this away or take that away. It's because their hearts were postured before the Lord and He became their everything. He became their all. They yielded completely and let him come because he wants to come. You don't have to beg. God is loving us and wanting to come into our hearts and into our lives if our posture is a posture of the heart which is surrendered and yielded where he is everything to me, where he is my treasure, my great reward. It's him and him alone. I love preaching the word makes me come alive. I love you, Jesus. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So what happens when we get born again? God opens our eyes and we see the glory of Christ. And when we see the glory of Christ, it's just overwhelming in our hearts and in our lives that it causes a response, an expression of the heart, which we call worship. If you jump quickly to verse 6, I'll just touch on this one quickly. For God, so there's Satan trying to blind us from the glory of Jesus, from who he is, being revealed as to, and that's why we worship in spirit and in truth. We're driven by truth, the truth of who he is, what he's done for us, who we are in God. You will never, never, can I say this? You will never understand justification. You'll never understand why God wanted to cause us to be justified just as if we'd never sinned. If you don't understand how important worship is and the position of your heart. You can't come to the Lord if you're carrying a weight, friends. You can't come to the Lord if, you, if you've got a whole bunch of stuff that's disrupting you and enter into the fullness of worship, friends, unless you leave it all behind and understand who He is and you can just come with a freedom. You don't have to come with a heaviness and a weight and a worry. You just come as you are. You just come into His presence and you begin to worship Him and you begin to declare who He is in your heart and in your life and you make Him your all and your treasure. And He loves that. He loves to be worshipped. Help me, Lord, to say this right. 
Listen to what God, that's what the devil's trying to do is to blind us. Listen, this is what God's trying to do. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That is the full satisfaction of every single believer. God's desire is that every single day of our lives, every step that we take, He wants to reveal to us. Listen to these words. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's something that God created us for. It's to see His glory. And to be so overwhelmed that He becomes everything of our heart and our desire. That nothing else will satisfy. Sang a song, I'll touch on it just now. As the deer panteth for the waters, so my soul longeth after thee. The heart of worship. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 It says this, whatever you do in word and deed, do all to the glory of God. In whatever you do, in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Wow. In whatever you do, wake up when you make a cup of coffee. You do it for the glory of the Lord. There is one desire, there is one heart in everything that I do throughout the day. It's for His glory. And when I do that and I position my heart, it's a heart of worship where His presence can come and where I can encounter Him in ways I've never, ever experienced, where He changes and transforms my heart and my life to be all that He's called me to be in this world. I cannot tell you when you honor God with every part of your being how great you're going to be in everything else that you do. You don't have to turn, but I just, it, it, there's so many scriptures I could use right now. But in Romans 12, just reading verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's a very, very powerful verse. It's telling us that our whole life is a life of worship. Worship isn't an event, worship isn't singing, worship isn't music. Worship isn't uh, a moment. Worship is our whole life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. This is our spiritual worship. Our, our whole lives are there to express God in worship. And I don't have to sing because it's a position. It's a matter of the heart. It's a position and a posture of the heart. Oh. There's a word um, Jane would be able to probably teach way better on this one. But there's a word, word in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it's the most common word for worship, and it's proskuneo, or proskuneo. And basically, proskuneo is to, is to, um, is to bow down, it's to, it's to 
bend the knee. And uh, almost it's a picture of when they were, people came before the king, they would, they would bow down and they would kiss the hand. It's a, it's a posture, right? Um, what you see is, is uh, that particular um, word, um, you see it used in um, the, go- the Gospels, and you see it used in Revelation, but you don't see it at all in uh, the epistles. And uh, the reason for that is that in the Gospels, Jesus was around. And so people came running, and they bowed, and they knelt before him, proskuneo. And in Revelation, Jesus is around, and they come and they kneel before him. In the epistles, it's no longer an external thing, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a position of the heart. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just proskuneo in my heart and my life before the Lord. That means any place, any time, anywhere, I can proskuneo before Him. Amen. Let me just quickly go to Philippians chapter 1. I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but Philippians chapter 1. I'm trying to read this. Touch on this quickly. Um, verse 19, I think it is. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is making such a profound statement here. He's saying that Christ, my whole emphasis and desire is that Christ would be magnified in my life. In every waking moment of my life, Christ would be magnified and that He would be honored in every single thing I do, whether it's in my life or whether it's in my death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When he says something like that, to die is gain, how is to die gain? Friends, the only way to die is gain is that when I come to the place of my death, when I look across and I see that, that um, the, the wife that I'm married to, and now I'm going to die and, and no longer be married because in heaven there's no marriage. For those that know their Bible. Um, and even though I'm going to lose Jane, I look at my death and death is gain to me. All the things that I've done in my life and had the experience and done all those things, I'm about to die and about to leave those things behind, but I can look death in the face and I can call it gain. Why? Because Jesus is my reward. He is my everything. He is my treasure. That's how I can honor Him even in my death and in my life. Amen. See, Christ becomes magnified even in a person's death. Christ becomes everything. That's why Paul could say, we count everything as a loss for the surpassing value and extreme satisfaction of knowing Jesus Christ. He counted everything as loss that he might know the Lord. 
It's a position of the heart, friends, where there is nothing else in this world that can satisfy me. When I come, when I come to, to uh, worship times together, it's almost as if I come, I, I am so, it's, it's, it should be the complete other way around. It shouldn't be I'm raining, I think I'm just going to lie in. It should be I need to get there because nothing in this world satisfies me. Only Jesus can satisfy me. I want to come. I want to be with my brothers and sisters that are hungry and thirsty for the Lord. That we want to come to that place where worship is a hungry heart that's crying out saying, Only you, only you satisfy, Lord. Only you are enough. Only you, God, can do what you need to do in my heart and life so that I can live in the fullness of Christ. That's worship, friends. It's where we come positioning our hearts and our lives. We sang a song as the deer panteth for the waters, so my heart longeth after thee. How many know this? The deer just comes. The deer, oh, let me say it like this. The deer does nothing for the stream. The deer just comes to the stream because it needs to drink. And if God is the stream, He is so excited that you've come to drink from Him. As the deer panteth. Friends, it's why it's so important we don't take a whole song to get into where He wants us when we come on Sundays, because I prepared my heart long before that. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. I'm like, come on, just get the coffee machine off. I just want to drink from the stream. And God's there saying, there's so many other streams that you could drink from, but that you choose to come drink from me. It's his delight, friends. It's why he wants us to see his glory and who he is. It's why he's put himself at the center. It's why he is who he is. So that we have no other lover. There is no other. There is no other, friends. There's not a priority in our lives. There is no other. It's Jesus. Everything else flows from that stream. God wants you to have a great marriage. God wants you to have magnificent relationship with your kids, have a great job, get blessed. All those things, it flows out of this stream. If you don't have this stream, friends, then what happens as we begin to compete? Oh, there's so many scriptures jumping in my head now. The Bible comes alive if you understand this. You understand justification. He wants you to come. He wants you to see Him. He wants you to love Him. He doesn't want you to see Him wrongly. He doesn't want you to see Him as some kind of a, an ogre or a father that's disciplined and that you're in trouble or that he wants you to draw and run near to him and taste and see that he's good and to drink from those rivers because he wants you to love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. He wants you to be so consumed by him. He knows everything else. Well, how do we bring everything into Jesus. We bring everything into Jesus by losing ourselves in Jesus, by losing ourselves as to who He is, that He becomes my all in all. 
my all-sufficient one, my treasure, my reward, my desire of my heart and my life, the one who satisfies me in every single way. And everything else just is added. It's so beautiful when He just adds. You don't have to work for it. It's why it's such a place of peace. We struggle to get that, to that place, but when we get to that place, it's such a place of peace. I don't have to fight for anything anymore. I don't have to struggle for anything anymore. I lose myself in His love. And when I'm lost in His love, He causes everything else to come into line. I don't have to spend hours and days being delivered, set free, and cast out this and break that. And I just have to fall in love with Him and make my posture of my heart Him my every single thing. It's so easy, church, but yet it's so difficult for us. My 30th uh, anniversary, which is about to arrive. Yes, you can clap. 30th anniversary. Yeah. How about soliciting clapping? Uh, that's a, um, but it's 30 years, so let me give you two illustrations very quickly. So, so uh, it's 30 years, so I go and get 30 roses. And... Um, I go and I knock on the door at home, which is strange because it's my home, but I'm going to knock on the door. Jane comes to the door, and I've got these roses, and I present these roses to her, and she's like, wow, that's so beautiful, darling. Why did you do that? And I go, well, I read the book, uh, Marriage. It's, uh, it's what you do. It's the right thing to do. It's your duty. It's, you, you, must, you must remember your wedding anniversary. You must honor and you must, you must give the person some flowers and what have you. How many know she's going to be so excited by that? <laughs> Let me give you another analogy. I have a knock at the door. Jane comes to the door and I say, here, darling, here's 30 roses. And she goes, wow, that's so beautiful. Why did you do that? I said, because I just love buying you things. I love giving you and blessing you and Time with you. I'm even, I've even booked a, a babysitter tonight so that you can, um, so that we can go spend more time together. Yeah, Casey's babysitter. <laughs> when we come to God, See, one is a posture of the heart, where you are my everything, I delight in you. Can I also say this? I don't think in a million years will a wife say, oh, you're just all about yourself. You're so selfish. This is what you want to do. Just, you just want to spend time with me. and you just, it's your, No, they'll be so happy that you're delighting in them and wanting to spend time with them. See, if you position your heart right, even in marriage, where the Bible says, husband, love, and it tells the wife to honor and submit. It's so easy to honor and submit when the husband is truly loving. When a husband's lavishing and love to his wife, she easily can flow with that. See, the last thing I want you to do is to come into worship before the Lord, and you're just worshiping Him, and He goes, Wow, this is so beautiful, man. Why are you doing this, Grant? Um, because I read it in the Bible. It's the right thing to do. 
because it's what makes you happy. Uh, and see, I should land, getting in deeper trouble here, but see, it's not self-centered to want to be happy in another. How many of you know how, have you ever had this experience where you are, you are so in love with another person, with your wife or whatever it is, you're so in love with them that you lose yourself. You don't actually even care how you look or what you've, you know, whether you've got the latest fashion on or even if, if you smell right or anything like that, you, just, you lose yourself in them. See, that's the posture that we have in worship before the Lord. I just lose myself. I've lost myself in Him. I'm so in love with Him, right? Totally, totally fulfilled in God. Let me also just drop this out. Is worship in your life a means to an end or an end in itself? See, in the church today, not in 24-7, but in the church today, we use worship. We use worship to set up. I've done it so many times where you're kind of like us, the worship team. You need to knock it out the park. You need to do well now in worship so it sets me up for my preach. So hard for me to preach if the worship isn't really good. See, we use worship for healing. So somebody come, let's just worship. Oh, yes, I feel it now. Okay, let's pray. Let's, in the name of Jesus, be healed. We use it for worship, uh, for, for healing. We use it for people's gifting so they can express it. Some mu musicians, hey, it gives you an opportunity to express your gifting. We use worship all the time as a means to an end. We, we do worship before we take up the offering. So we cause people to, oh, that feels good. But how about that worship is actually the end in itself? How about the wor worship is delighting in the Lord? Full stop. End. Game over. That's it. I came to worship. I came to love Him. It's not a means to anything. It's what I was born for as I position my heart and just love Him. The heart of worship. Circling now, Lord, help me. So many other scriptures. Maybe we'll do that in the next couple of weeks, but maybe I'll just drop another thought out and just say to us ask yourself this question can you focus on more than one thing? I actually asked myself this question yesterday, and I tried to. I was trying to. <laughs> I promise you, you'll never, ever focus. You can only focus on one thing. Jesus says, looking unto me, the author and the finisher of your faith. There is one thing that God wants us, one thing. David caught this because he sat in his temple 400 and 
something worshippers, all there as he sat in his presence. One thing have I desired, O Lord, that I would dwell in your house and gaze on your beauty. One thing. I can only focus on one thing, and that's him. All of my days. And when I focus on him, everything else comes into focus. I don't know how to say that in more flowy terms, but... Thank you, Jesus. So as we land this morning, my heart is, what is the heart of worship? For us as human beings, we are creatures of habit. So when we do stuff over and over and over again, we can quickly lose the understanding as to why we're doing it. And worse than that, we can start to create our own motivation of why we're doing it. So God declares and speaks to every one of us and says, guard your heart. Because it's from there that everything else is flowing in your life. And I have to take that heart and position that heart and say, Lord, my heart is where my treasure is. Are you my treasure? Are you the one who satisfies me in my life? I'm not coming to you in worship as a means that I worship you. I don't come to Jane and, and, and love her because she's going to make me a nice dinner tonight. It's the same with everything that we do, even with our kids. I've done it. I know my dad did it. It's kind of like, hey, boy, let's come. Let's go do something together and what have you. And then we've done this nice thing together. It's exciting. And he goes, okay, now I need you to go cut the lawn. So you can't say no because like he did that for you. That's not our father. We're not doing stuff so that he my heart's desire today is the heart of worship is simply making Jesus everything. Making him my all, delighting in him so much that I come hungry all the time in worship, my whole life, the desire of my heart. You can go read Matthew 5, 16, where it talks about that when we, we do everything, everything that we do, it's, and He gets the glory. It's, you, you, you ask yourself the question, how can I do all that stuff and he gets the glory. There's so much going on in the church today where people are doing a bunch of stuff. God's not getting the glory. They're getting the glory. Then you just have to read verse 11 to 16. And you say where they are persecuted and where they are reviled and where they are attacked for the, for the gospel's sake. It's almost like those are people that postured their hearts. This isn't about getting glory for myself. This is about choosing him. His commandment, His ways, that making Him first in my life, that it may cost me my all, but He gets the glory. When people look at that, the Bible, in those verses, it says salt and light. That's what salt looks like. That's what light looks like. Salt and light is in the 
deepest, darkest places, salt and light is people that choose to say yes to God in the midst when everything inside of them and everything else is saying something else. And when you have that heart, that heart of worship when we come, then that heart, friends, flows out with words of lavish love and expression. That heart flows out with deeds of worship. We'll talk about those scriptures in another time. But it's both. My life, everything that I do flows in love, and my speech flows because it flows from a position of the heart where, Lord, you are my everything. Amen. Shall we stand? When I was preparing this, I knew it was so important that we understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And I believe we've been trying to unpack that, and, and maybe God will keep bringing us to that, to that place. But justification, righteousness in Him are absolutely vital to position your heart because it's truth. And then when you begin to see Him rightly, you begin to glory in Him and who He is. The enemy is trying to stop you from seeing how good and how beautiful and how wonderful God is. Because as you see Him rightly, so you fall more and more in love with Him, so you, He becomes more and more of your heart, your treasure, your desire, and your everything. And then all God is trying to do is to reveal also the glory of, Jesus, of, 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 of Himself in the face of Jesus. And so even if we just take two minutes this morning, I know time is gone. Just take two minutes as we posture our hearts this morning. Because when, when I read Matthew 15 and I started on this journey, it broke my heart that there actually could be services I could be singing a whole bunch of songs and saying a whole bunch of stuff and praying with my lips. But if my heart was not engaged, if my heart was not in line and postured with Him, then it was just in vain. And to have a whole bunch of, of services happening that are in vain is, 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 is dear Lord, help us. So as I came into that place in the Lord and said, Lord, help me. I want to posture my heart. He began to speak because there was so much that I wanted to speak to him about, that I wanted him to take care of, that I wanted him to deal with or fix or sort out. Or There was so much. And that's when he began to speak about seek first. It's not highest priority. It's not highest on the list. It is the list. It is everything. As you do that, you bring everything into me. And I just take care of the rest. And the rest just begins to be added. So, Lord, today we just stand before you. 
And we just, as a church, Lord God, we proskuneo our hearts. And we say, Lord, we repent. If we have elevated anything else, any other love, Lord, higher than you, brought it out of line with our first and our only love, which is you. If there's anything else, Lord God, in our lives that we've concentrated on instead of you, then we come humbly and we lay it at your feet. We lay it at your feet. We lay it at your feet. There's a powerful scripture in the Bible. It says, when you come to the altar to worship God with your gift, and you have ought against your brother, then leave your gift and go and make right. Because the worship means zero unless you're right. Because that rightness affects the heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see Jesus. That's not trying to fix your life with mistakes or sin. Pure in heart is a life that's totally yielded and surrendered to Jesus Christ. That's made Him Lord of all. It's made Him everything. So Lord, we just come. We repent, Lord God, if there's been anything else and we align our hearts again this morning. Not just for today, not for that beautiful encounter, Lord God, not for those moments where the worship team can take us into a place where I can just receive and where I can get what I need from you, Lord. But that worship this morning was not a means to an end. It was the end. It was our everything, Lord God. It was you, Lord. And we came to love you and to experience you and to drink from you and to, and to love you and to allow you to love us and just to be surrounded by you and to be so satisfied, God, because nothing in this world satisfies only you, Lord Jesus, where you have become our satisfaction. You have become our fulfillment. You are our delight, Lord. I pray today, Lord God, that our hearts will be positioned, Lord, in that place, Lord God, that the lips, our lips, the flow that would come from our lips would be an overflow from the position of our hearts, Lord God, and not an expression from a place, Lord God, where we are the center. But that we, you are the center of our lives, Lord. And where we, our lips just express that, Lord. And that that can happen because it's in our heart. It's internal now, no longer external. That can happen all day, every day. Whether I'm in my workplace, wherever I am, I'm proskuneing my heart. So that when I, my lips express prayer, or whether they express worship or singing songs or whatever it is, it's coming from the abundance. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. May my heart be filled with the abundance of you, Lord, because I've tasted and I eat and enjoy everything of who you are in Jesus' name. Father, I pray of every single person here, Lord God, that, that you are doing a transformation and a shift right now, that everything is coming into line and under the Lordship of Jesus, so that this week, Lord God, 
that we might see just the expression of God in our marriages, in our kids, in our business, Lord. That position of our heart, our businesses flourish. It becomes so easy and such a joy, Lord God. There's such favor. The Lord just delights. He loves to honor and love us. So just thank you, Lord God. May we gain more and more knowledge and insight into the glory of Jesus. May we be consumed with the beauty and the glory of our Savior and King. May it never, never end, Lord God. May we be like the, the angels that stand around the throne of God. Holy, holy every waking moment. Whoa, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. You are awesome. I can't get enough, Lord. I just love you so much. I'm just coming with excitement in our hearts every moment in Jesus' name. Will you do that, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit right now in every single heart, Lord? Every single heart, Lord. I break off every bit of any condemnation or guilt or anything on any person here today. If they thought, no, I'm, I've been doing this wrong or way I've been doing it or, or just feeling they can't come, just cut them free from that right now in the name of Jesus. Because all it needs is a position of the heart. All it needs is a position of surrender for God to come. You don't have to do anything, fix anything, just position your heart. May every one of us position our heart today for great things. You have set us up, even as Courtney was sharing that testimony, as Debbie was sharing the testimony, Lord. You've set us up for those things. It's just a position of our heart. When our heart is positioned, you just bring favor and blessing. You add the miracles and the things to our lives, Lord. So will you do that this week, Lord God? We ask you for miracles and testimonies and signs and wonders to follow, Lord God. Your worshipers that worship you in spirit and truth, Lord God, that the presence of the Lord would come in such a new way in our lives, Lord God, that we would tangibly experience you in everything that we do, Lord God, that our days would be so beautiful that we would end our days not exhausted, end our days refreshed because we've been drinking from you an endless and eternal stream of living water that flows continually, Lord. In the name of Jesus, will you do it by your Spirit this morning, Lord? In every single heart, I pray. In every single heart, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all your people said, Amen, Amen.